Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Strategic Slut Podcast, a feminist-based show that aims to reclaim the word slut and discuss harder topics to become more approachable. Each week, I will bring you a topic to break down or a guest on to have a discussion in a shame-free way so that we can all live an intentional and strategic life. Today, I feel like going back to my roots, and that is feminism in slightly an academic way, but also kind of what it's almost like being a person who not only like has a degree in women's studies, but then also like an active feminism in the real world where that academic space is something that I no longer have access to. I thought it might be interesting to kind of break down um, just going off last week's episode of my solo on Friday with talking about WAP from Meg Thee Stallion and Cardi B, I did mention a couple times how much I do love rap music and there's a lot of things that us as like almost feminists can feel guilty for enjoying and it's a really interesting topic to me because I have like the theoretical side of it that I spent four years learning in university but then I also have the realistic reality to show and speak on from my own experience and someone who as someone who's a pop culture junkie you know like it's kind of an interesting thing and I find at least personally sometimes people question it of like you know aren't you supposed to be this like feminist like are you allowed to like that kind of thing kind of that weird these like underlying questions or like doubtful comments I don't know how to explain it and it doesn't happen all too often anymore because most people who know me know I'm quite open-minded for one but also I'm speak openly on these things so it's never usually a a big problem but I want to quickly like tell you a resource that I find is really incredible it's a book by Roxane Gay called Bad Feminist and she dives deep into many different topics but the one quote that I really love that she says is and I quote I embrace the label of bad feminist because I am human I am messy I'm not trying to be an example I am not trying to be perfect I'm not trying to say I have all of the answers I am not trying to say I'm right I am just trying trying to support what I believe in, trying to do some good in this world, trying to make some noise with my writing while also being myself. And I think that that quote is something that I very much feel in my bones of like, that's how I kind of feel. And I like that she almost coined this term of like bad feminist because there really is no, um, there's no right way. And there's, Lots of different types of feminism that I will kind of speak on briefly with the evolution of the movement, but it's also one of those things that we are caught in this kind of paradigm of wanting to speak out on a lot of things that we can think critically about, but then also we want to lighten up. Like we're often told to you know, shut up during that movie so that we're not ruining it for everyone or can't you just enjoy it? Like, it and almost turn it off. And 
it is a kind of hard thing because I think as someone specifically like being so immersed in it and like from an academic standpoint, it was kind of hard because sometimes I wish I could turn it off, but then I, you know, you can't, you can't unsee human rights issues when you are exposed to it. And my privilege within university was being able to take courses for four years on the different facets of feminism and gender studies and sexuality and all of those things, you know, as specific as like mommy bloggers or women in Canada who uh, are surrogates, like all the different things with that, like very specific, like to Canada kind of thing where I could get case studies in that sense of like seeing different layers of oppression or sexism and like things like that that really made sense but it really also complicated how I see the world and I don't know that everyone is like that a lot of people can identify as a feminist but not live such an intricate lifestyle and always thinking critically I don't don't know I don't want to generalize or misjudge or anything like that but I I can't say that all the people I know who identify as a feminist think in the way that I do because we haven't had the same experience. You know, I did immerse myself for four years in university in this subject where not everyone I talk to has. And that is beyond okay. Like I actually, if you're new to this podcast, I actually fell into women's studies. I had a friend help me pick courses in first year. I didn't really know what I was doing when I was entering university. I was actually um, in MIT, which I remained. I did a double major with women's studies eventually. So MIT is media information technoculture. It was essentially like studying how media affects society and just like think Black Mirror. It was very that. Um, And then I I even made the comment when I chose the introduction to women's studies first year, like full year course, I said, I don't want to be in a room full of feminists. And what a fucking joke that was, because look at me now, I have a full feminist based podcast and it really did um, shape who I am today and completely do a 180 of my beliefs and values and interests as well. So it. It's crazy to think back on that person at the age of 18, but um, yeah, so that's a little quick summary of just kind of like how I viewed women's studies at one point, Um, but just to give like a really quick definition, you'll find these statements kind of in the dictionary, you know, feminism is the advocacy of women's rights on the basis of the equality of the sexes, it's also referred to as the theory of the political, economic, and social equality of the sexes, the belief that men and women should have equal rights and opportunities. But really, at its core, it is about equality of men and women, not that sameness. Um, And I think that's really important to differentiate. So many people do offer that argument of, you know, women are not the same as men, so there can't be equality. And there's so many like scientific differences that are used to justify that argument. In other words, like stating that women are weaker and smaller because of their physical, well, or sorry, they're weaker and smaller. And in turn, they have 
different physical capabilities than men, like things like that. So it is really essential to understand that same does not mean equal, but it's the fact of everything within the workplace, within um, the way, like specific, if we're going to get scientific here um, and biological, women are discriminated against for their biological blessing of some being able to have children. Some choose to have children, some do not. does not mean that that's their role in society. However, um, there's been decades of oppression that in the workplace, um, I mean, it really wasn't that long ago that women couldn't work at all. They were made to be in the home. Um, But yeah, there's a lot of oppression there of even having a uterus equates to maybe not being the right candidate for a job just with the possibility you could choose to have children. It's a very fucked up thing. So that's just like one baseline in like instance that you can think of feminism. But obviously there were different waves of feminism that we kind of historically look at. So first wave feminism was kind of like the the entry into questioning how there are differences in between the sexes kind of thing. And it was very white, I'll say. Um, I don't want to give you a total history lesson, but it really was white women and wanting more status in society um, and wanted, basically, they just realized that, like, why are we doing all of this? Like, we should have being, like, the the right to choose kind of thing. So instead of being confined to their households, um, they really wanted to, like, take on some sort of ability and then and I mean the biggest thing within that was suffrage so like the right to vote um that was one of the biggest things in first wave feminism and then second wave feminism is um sorry this was I'm trying to collect my thoughts here because there's so many things going on in my mind (laughs) um and I haven't actually had to like do this history lesson in a while which is so funny like COVID's kind of made me forget all of these things where I used to be able to talk about this on the fly a couple months ago. So anyways, second wave feminism was like focused on issues of equality and discrimination. Um, It was very much about like the workplace, um, definitely discussing, well, Betty Friedan was like one of the key players. Um, She had the feminine mystique, which criticized the idea that women could find fulfillment only through child-rearing and homemaking. And it was really changing the way that women thought of themselves, their identity, um, really looking at power structures and how sexist they were under, like, patriarchy. And this started to include other women, Um, But it was like really third wave feminism in the 90s that the backlash against first and second wave were starting to come about um, because obviously first and second wave was like emphasizing experiences of upper middle class white women. And the third wave started to see that intersectionality, which is looking at the different layers of oppression. within like race, ethnicity, class, religion, gender, sexual orientation, nationality, 
um, very significant factors on how like a woman's experience could influence like how what you're fighting for and the different privileges within that so that's just like a really quick overview um but like within feminism so like now in current modern day feminism there's this real kind of I I don't know what to call it anymore so many people have different names for it um, I call it like marketplace feminism because that's how I was taught about it. But it's essentially like wearing the t-shirts that say feminist, which is, there's nothing wrong with it. It doesn't make you less of a feminist. It's just like some people only will wear that shirt and, you know, girl power and think that they're a feminist. And that's where like things get really weird. So I just want to kind of go over that before I like dive it deep into the bad feminists because I think in order to talk about how to be a good feminist or a bad like that complexity, we also discuss we have to discuss like what feminism is and the different kind of evolution of it to figure out where we are today. Um so within I I will broadly say that I'm want to practice intersectional feminism. I try my best every single day to think of problems and how they affect not only people in general, but then also really look at, you know, what about like all the different layers of oppression? Like, what does this look like for women of color? What does this look like for those who have disabilities? Um, All of those different, you know, like indigenous folks, what are their community communities experiencing in relation to western like sorry not western um like people in ontario um who are not seen as indigenous like they they don't live on the reserves and things like that sorry I, i hope i said that right but um just little things like that that you really have to like think critically on always and of course a lot of the problems that we like personally feel will speak to us harder but what's really important if depending on how you see feminism is making sense of how we relate to the world but also how others fit in that and where they struggle and for me it can be a really hard like I still it still upsets me you know like there's never an easy way to put it a lot of it's really sad because People do have misconceptions that we have reached equality, that there are minimal human rights issues, specifically in North America. And the fact is, there is still the wage gap. There is still severe sexual harassment and assault. Um, There are so much to be said for the autonomy of over women's bodies as far as sexual assault, rape, pregnancy, abortion, all birth control access to those things like there is so much to be said for modern day issues and that doesn't even hit the like that doesn't even go into deep deep of it like there is so much more there specifically within lgbtq plus rights trans people and the, the trans communities how they are experiencing the world the the violence that they often face the horrible discrimination really um so if you for me if you're feminist you should be fighting for all of those people um including men 
But I think that the thing with men is that we need to see how like power structures since the beginning of time have put us in the current position we are today and how men come into that. But there are still many issues within how we raise men, how the socialization process has and those gender norms have told us that men can't be emotional, that they're weak if they're emotional. You know, words being thrown around like pussy and things like that. Toxic masculinity and all of those things are deeply embedded in feminism and all of that. So just to say that I am a feminist doesn't, and I'm fighting for, you know, kind of all women or all like, you know, just to, to say those broad claims isn't actually correct because I'm really wanting equality for all. And that includes men. And a lot of people think that just being a feminist, you're a man hater. So not correct. Um, however, I do joke a lot of the time that men are trash, but that is a joke that I'm willing to make and I don't think you can cancel me for it. So moving on, um, I just want to like acknowledge that it's really hard to remember like the time before you're a feminist and then like the time that you kind of had that awakening and to really acknowledge how complex it is as that like activist role you can sometimes fall into becoming a passive feminist where you acknowledge the issues but you don't do much about it and to really encourage change is to take those actions and encourage others to do do so as well um and also kind of raise attention to things that need attention you know like those really fucked up jokes or those things but This is where I want to talk about because there's this complex of bad feminist, good feminist, um, and then also this idea of the feminist killjoy. And I want to quickly explain that before I get into anything else. The feminist killjoy, um, I believe Sarah Ahmed actually coined this term. She did a, I believe it's an essay or an article um, called Feminist Killjoys and Other Willful Subjects. I love Sarah Ahmed. I actually did a lot of her articles and she was embedded in a lot of my work in university. So I really do find her incredible. Um, She really breaks down this idea of like, you know, being in family gatherings or with your friends and this intensity that does often become tension because of how sometimes being the feminist at the table Um, you create that tensity by having to tell the difference between like, you know, what was said or brought up or whatever. And you like either internally being frustrated or speaking out on it, but either way it creates this like tension and then you become the problem you've kind of created. And it's like a weird idea and her like essay really breaks it down because she says becoming a feminist can be alienation from happiness though not just that not only that oh the joy of being able to leave the place you were given and just like it's really interesting because um people joke about how like feminists are so angry and it's like I mean, there is a lot to be angry about um, when you really look at it. Like, there are things that happen every day. There are articles, there are news headlines that just break your soul. And all of them fall under feminism, you know? Um, 
so I think it is something this feminist killjoy to take seriously because it is like this really strange figure that we can really place in the context of like feminist critiques of happiness and how happiness is used to justify social norms and as social goods as Sarah Ahmed says so like it's kind of that thing of like the feminist subject in the room um brings everyone down by talking about the unhappy topics and really exposing the all the issues that maybe people find joy in so for example if you're watching something in comedy that is extremely sexist misogynistic just filled with like terrible shit um you know sometimes you can be the one that brings this consciousness that a lot of people actually don't like a lot of people don't even want to hear and it can be like a call to anger which is always a tough thing to kind of work through um I know I have gotten finally to a place where I kind of just I'm able to disassociate from it where before I would never be able to let it go and I have my moments let's get let's be real here but like most of the time I can actually speak with reason and then if I know that they're not even trying to listen or learn then I'm okay to just walk away from the conversation Um, But that killjoy is really that one who gets in the way of other people's happiness. But then in Bad Feminist by Roxane Gay, she talks about like the uh, almost enjoyment of not being a perfect person or feminist or activist, you know. Um, They are, she really gets personal on what she talks about. And for me, I want to kind of just give you some things that I think about often, you know, in relation to, let's say, uh, rap music, let's say. So hip-hop culture and hip-hop music, specifically male rappers, have always used sexist language, very degrading language towards women, often objectifying them in various ways. And Within the feminist movement, some people have found that empowering and other people find it like almost four steps back. And there's, we can debate on about that all day, every day. But for me, I just kind of quickly explain it as I can understand the issues within it. Um, and I often do find my mind going, especially if like I hear a new song, like when WAP came out last week or two weeks ago, I had to do that episode last week because if my mind was just going, you know, and really like contemplating like, is this progressive? Is this not? What do I think of this? Who is this speaking for? What is this doing for women and the further movement goal of equality? And, you know, like my mind does kind of run that quickly and that complex and like, it's kind of intense sometimes depending on what the pop cultural thing is um but I also really love like hip-hop culture for so many other reasons um the lyrics I wish we would more I guess if we're gonna hold female rappers more accountable for I would wish that it would be the same for male rappers um for example like there was this TikTok actually I always go back to TikTok because I find it very fascinating There's a TikTok I saw last night that I posted on my story because it's literally like these little 
four or five second clips of all of these songs that men talking about pussy and then the captions saying like all female rappers talk about is pussy and then there's just that like audio clip of all these famous current songs about male rappers talking about pussy and it's like where how like this double standard's not quite adding up okay um, so it's, it is kind of interesting and that's like how I'm always kind of thinking. And there are things that I, I do go through like ebbs and flows with different things. So like sometimes I will listen to more, I guess, like progressive music in the sense that it's not disgusting and degrading towards women. Um, maybe it's has a little more like soul there of like people are beautiful and you deserve to be just treated like the queen that you are (laughs) um but then other times I really want some trap music like (laughs) there's this song by Rick Ross uh cheap thrills that it just gets me going about like drugs and I I can just hear him like whispering cocaine And it's a really fucking thing that brings me a lot of joy, even though I don't promote the use of drugs. And I think that there's a lot of lyrics in there that I don't agree with, but it's a bumping fucking song. It gets me going during the workout. So it's like a really weird thing for me, but that's how I kind of navigate it is like, I can see the really problematic things, but I'm also kind of just like willing to look past it. I mean, there's obviously that thing where like maybe you shouldn't be giving your money or your listens or like whatever to those people. And I mean, that's up for debate. And I think it's to each their own. For me, I really do enjoy rap music. So I'm going to continue to listen to it. Um, Do I listen to like Chris Brown, like an RB? I I don't know. I'd say he's an R&B artist. I don't think he falls under rap, but maybe he falls under hip hop, I guess. Hip hop and R&B. Um, I don't listen to his music fully because of the Rihanna situation. And some people think that it's so fucking far-fetched for me to say that. But the thing is, for me, I can support other artists that do similar music as he does who haven't hit a woman. And that's just facts. Like, you know, I think that people can learn and that they can change. And I want to give him grace and hope that he is not a total piece of shit. But I also just like, it makes me feel uncomfortable listening to him and I can never fully enjoy it. The only song I will really listen to is No Guidance because Drake's in it. And that is for me, like my kind of like, um, I don't know, backdoor way of listening to Chris Brown. If he's in like a Tory Lane song or like a Drake song, then I would potentially listen to it. Specifically, No Guidance was fucking banging, so... I'll never be able to uh, get over that. Um, yeah, that song's amazing. And the remix by, I don't know how to say her name, but oh, it's so, so good. You'll probably see it on my story. Anyways, sidetracked. Even like Tory Lanez, you know, with this information that he may have potentially shot Meg the Stallion in the foot, um, it's been really fucking me up because Tory Lanez, I would say, is like my number one artist next to Drake. I mean, I love Drake more than anybody in the world, but Tory Lanez, I actually probably listen to more frequently. Um, but if I had to choose, it'd be Drake. So Tory's like second for me. 
Um, but if that if that's the case, I don't really know because like based on the information I've seen on online and what we've been given so far, I feel like he didn't actually intentionally shoot her because I'm pretty sure he would be arrested and in jail for attempt to harm or like murder some sort of assault there that I don't think he would have gotten off. Like he, I think he was out on bail within a few days. Um, and the only thing he was charged with was his firearm. So I don't know what happened there, but like even the thought of that really frustrates me. Cause I'm like, come on, like do fucking better. Really bro. Like it's 2020. You can't be fucking shooting women in the foot. You should be shooting anybody, but like Meg the Stallion is a beautiful human being and you cannot do that. Okay. Like we need to protect her at all costs. Um, so that is like me thinking out loud like I hope that gives you insight onto truly how in-depth I think about all these things and it's really it's not black and white it's very complex it's very gray area um but that's the whole thing with living intentionally and that's what I kind of want to get back to in why I'm even talking about this is like this is a feminist-based podcast the whole message is to live intentionally and the whole thing within that is I want to be able to talk to people who or sorry, I want to talk to the audience and tell them like all these different things from either my opinion, my experiences, having other guests on to speak on their experiences, their thoughts, beliefs, and values. And then you can decide accordingly, you know, you like if you're, it, it doesn't matter, whatever it is, you have potentially seen a different like viewpoint and maybe that changes your outlook or maybe it doesn't maybe it reaffirms what you are rooted in like I don't really care I think that everyone should have that autonomy to choose um and to really live their life on their terms and that's what I want like I want everyone to live intentionally but know why you're doing what you're doing know what you you know like even under consumerism why do you buy what you buy you know what does that matter to you? The brands that you support, the industries that you support, like things like that, that, you know, it is complex. Like you could drive yourself crazy thinking about all of it. But um, to me, it's really important. And I think that by doing that thinking and doing that kind of uncomfortable searching is really truly living that intentional life. It's not easy work to just live intentionally because realistically under capitalism and under patriarchy they want you to just kind of live based on your um like base what is it called why can't I think of it based on your instincts sorry um and that's usually like rooted in emotion and that's how marketing tactics come in you know they want you to be easily provoked into consuming into um kind of working the nine to five, the, the grind and not thinking critically about a lot of these things. Um, yeah, so like it, it is complex, but with, within like bad feminists, um, going back to Ro- Roxanne Gay, like I think she's really cool because she really breaks down like that we don't all have to believe in the same feminism, you know, it's so pluralistic and, or pluralistic, sorry, I think I said that wrong. Um, and just like, she doesn't, I 
don't know. She doesn't have this black and white viewpoint that I really look up to. Like she says, there's this quote, she says, like most people, I'm full of contradictions, but I also don't want to be treated like shit for being a woman. And I fucking love that because it's like, you know, we are all full of contradictions and we all have this will to learn. Like we're able to change. We're able to change our opinions, our you know, sometimes our experiences can completely, like I said at the beginning of this episode, I went into first year saying, I don't want to be in a room full of feminists. And here I am speaking on feminism. You know, like I was so ignorant in high school to so many issues. I never read books about the world and things like that. I was very into fashion without the politics of it. Um, I was very into like 90210, Gossip Girl, Twilight, those very teeny bopper type shows and movies that are still fucking amazing today. Let's get that real clear. Um, Actually, we, in one of my classes, we talked about Twilight and it almost ruined it for me and it almost slightly did. Kristen Stewart, as I've gotten older, I um, don't think she was the right choice for Bella Swan in like any way. But so it is difficult for me to even watch the movie anymore. But the books I still fucked with so hard. But then I studied, like, we did this deep dive in one of my classes, and it really fucked with me. So it's kind of a touchy subject. I do need to get Stephanie Meyer's new book with Edward Cullen's perspective, though. Just side note, um, big Edward Cullen gal. Team Edward all the fucking way, even though there were many issues within that that I won't ruin for you guys, because I won't, I'll choose not to be the killjoy today. Deep sigh of reflection. Okay, so yeah, like even with movies um, and TV shows, I think it's really interesting because like some things will really fucking bother me. Like it'll trigger something that I'm like, this is so fucked and I can't enjoy it. And other times I'm almost able to turn off that lens and truly just take it. Everything is like harmless, Um, which I don't like. I think I've become a little bit more numb to it. Just like with COVID, I think it's more of like, I don't have the energy truly to make an issue about this. Um, But most of like, I mean, I can still critique it just from like a little bit more of like a detached way of it. I'm I'm always critiquing. Let's get real clear. Like not even a judgy, I don't want to mistake that for being judgmental. It's more of like actually looking at like, how was that, how was that negatively affecting whatever, whatever stereotype or women or, you know, like just all these different things. Um, I do, I really do find frustrating like this idea that women, uh, or sorry, like feminists are so sensitive and it's not quite that. It's the fact that we've normalized so many awful things in our society and now we're finally speaking up on it. Um, remaining silent is being compliant with, in racism and with everything else and I think that it's kind of annoying that if you like I made a comment to a guy one time who I was like going out with or whatever it was nothing serious he had said he'd said females and there's something so fucking condescending about men saying females and I just I don't fuck with it and I, I won't get into it too much but I just like it bothers me and he just kind of like made a weird comment of like damn like are you really that easily bothered and it was just like really bro this is what we're gonna do 
Um, because then it wasn't just like, it wasn't an engagement of like, oh, like, why do you find that condescending? Like, what is a better term? Like really engaging with the way of how I may feel about it. Um, it was more really kind of like one of those things he's like backtracked of like, oh, I'm sorry. But then was like, wait, are you really that bothered? Like it was a really fucked up way of responding and I don't hold him to it. I don't think he's a bad person or anything like that. It was just like a weird experience that was like kind of frustrating just because you sometimes I don't want to have to like fully give you a history lesson on why that term just sounds so condescending (laughs) you know I hope people like relate to that and if you don't well that's my experience um but yeah like being a feminist can feel really negative Because there are a lot of things to be kind of unhappy about. But what at least helps me in my own kind of activism is to really think about where we have, like, how far we have come. Um, That does help my own mindset. And just knowing that each and every day doing those quick, like, those things to, um, those little things, they do add up eventually. You know, like, those collective actions will work to something if our ancestors didn't do those things decades ago we wouldn't be here and um there is some sort of thing there that we have to be almost grateful for but it's also really important to critique the different waves of feminism and stuff so that we continue to have this like inclusive solidarity because of course like the whole thing is equality we can't just have equality for white middle-class women (laughs) like that's that was how feminist movement started but obviously we've evolved into thinking that maybe our experience is not the only experience you know like it's all of these things that really have to be taken into consideration and I find it interesting within pop culture because even like within something that I kind of have that guilty pleasure of loving that I talk to often is reality tv I don't like when there's like only one black woman in the cast and she is totally made into that like angry black woman trope. Actually, I dove into this topic, not reality TV, but I dove into the trope um, with Hillary Coombe on a podcast a couple months ago, if you want to check that out, just as a side note. But I hate that because it's just like, who's on your team that like, almost thought that that was funny or okay you know you're playing to a stereotype a very damaging stereotype and I don't like it and it's the same thing with men though like making that one putting everyone in a box and I get that reality tv producers kind of often choose that just to make good television but also what are we like are we using racist stereotypes to make that trope and to put place that character to make quote-unquote great tv like it's just little things that I have to always ask myself and I would urge everyone to always think of as well um and there's like I said there's no right answer like that's why this is so fucking complex and it's so difficult and like Even if you caught me a couple years ago, I loved Sophia Amoruso's coining of hashtag girlboss. And I no longer love that. I really don't like the girlboss culture. I think it's actually more damaging than 
we've we probably would have thought of a couple of years ago. Um, and I, I won't simmer on that for a bit. We can talk about that on another day. But it was just, it's things like that that we need to just be conscious of. And it doesn't make you a bad person for consuming them. It doesn't make you a bad feminist, you know. Like Roxanne Gay says, I am full of contradictions. And that's the importance of it. And I think the urge to do better every single day is what is not only important, but like I would just hope as the, you know, always remembering that goal of feminism, like to achieve equality that we're always kind of working towards. It's not a personality trait in the sense of this work is going to make me a better person. I mean, it might, it'll make you more impactful like empathetic and more um, well-versed to what the world actually experiences and different people's, you know, what they can experience day to day that may not be your experience. Um, But yeah, it doesn't make you a quote unquote like good person if that's the only reason you're doing it. I I would think that's kind of strange. Um, Yeah, so I don't know why I got into that tangent, but (laughs) it's just like, it's a very paradox thing because you have to become what you're being judged as being um but then you don't want to just go with the flow because then you are almost seen as too too uncaring I guess of the actual issues at hand but then you also don't want to be that person that's always calling shit out and it's a really tough position to be in I've been in the position and I continue to be in that position and I get it and I'm with you if you relate But I also want to just like congratulating you for even getting to that place of thinking that way. I think it's so much easier to turn a blind eye, to um, live in rose-colored glasses, you know, see the world with rose-colored glasses, because that would, that, that would make you feel as though kind of within what we're currently seeing with the post events of like George Floyd a lot of people were woken up to things that have always existed and I think some people are putting those glasses back on and other people have stepped on those glasses and completely shattered them because their vision was forever impaired by the things that they were you know like made conscious of And, but continuing those thoughts and that work and that seeking for knowledge is what's it really important. We can't be perfect, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't, we should shy away from those things. You know, if you are engaging in like being an actively anti-racist person and doing that work, you know, doing the, reading the books and listening to black authors or podcasts or whatever you know and you're afraid to like ask a question to a friend or like engage in conversation just because out of fear that you're going to be wrong you probably will be wrong like I remember asking a lot of stupid questions in university not only about race but like about any human rights issues under like 
all of those topics. And I'm sure I sounded so ignorant, but, but that was the only way I learned, you know, like I would say something that would probably be, I can't even think of an example because it's hard to think of myself like that, but you know, I would ask a question and then, and I always did it with grace of like, I could be wrong, you know, because that, that's the important way of approaching it. If you're not sure, then just say like, tell me if I'm way off here, but you know, blah, 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 blah. And that will give the opportunity to be like, yeah, you are way off. Here's like the facts or um, whatever. Like, and through those questions that I obviously asked and in safe academic spaces that I was really grateful for, um, I was able to learn and like to really grow as an individual and be able to be pointed in the right direction of, you know, either like certain issues I'd never considered, um, layers of oppression that I'd never considered because maybe I haven't experienced it, and just different ways of thinking, really, that it it can be really complex. As I keep saying, it's kind of the key word of the day, but like, hi, feminism, human rights, the world, patriarchy, capitalism, consumerism, it's a lot of complexity. So, yeah, like, that's that's the thing like with feminism you almost want to take on the world and you can't (laughs) um and that's something that I kind of want to remind all of you too is that if you're feeling like kind of down maybe I know in the last few months of not only like a social revolution but a global pandemic um it's been a lot of heightened emotions but I think we truly do have the power in specifically the the next few younger generations to truly change the world um and I'm really hopeful actually for the future uh despite the current modern day issues that exist I really do think that each day we are trying to move towards a better place and for my American friends I just I did actually look at my audience ratings and like um sorry, characteristics today. And I actually have quite a few of you in the state. So I just want to quickly urge you guys to exercise your right to vote and whichever way you choose that is living intentionally. Um, But really do look at who the candidates between Trump and Biden and who fits and aligns with your beliefs, your values, and just fucking vote. Like the reason that Trump won four years ago is not because he won the popular vote and most of America wanted him to win. Um, it was because he won like the electoral college is I think how you say it. Um, and it was the fact that a third of the country did not vote, (laughs) which is really fucked up because that's literally the part of living in like in democracy, you know, you actually have that right to vote. This is what people, women fought for for so long, people. Like, (laughs) exercise your goddamn right to vote. And even if you're not pleased with the candidates that are there and you have to almost choose the quote-unquote lesser evil that people discuss, you need to still vote. Not voting is truly giving um, what they kind of want. And I will, that's how I'm, that's where I'm going to leave it. But if you don't know if you've signed up to vote, just truly google like the i think it's 
I can't remember the website, sorry, I'll link it in the show notes, but it's essentially looking to make sure that you are registered to vote so that you can exercise your right when the time comes. So that's my spiel. Canadian friends, maybe that's your insight on uh, American voting. I don't know. I do have dual citizenship. I was born the, I was born in Michigan and then I moved to Canada when I was six or seven. Um, but my parents are fully Canadian. My, all my family's from Canada. It's, it was just like, a my dad had to live in the States for work for a little bit. So, um, yeah, that's the backstory on me. So I do feel like even more slightly like personally inclined to discuss American politics and like North America as a whole, although we're not the same. I just, as that, because of the fact that I feel, well, I'm a citizen to both. I have dual citizenship. So I always want to kind of include that information. So um, yeah, this was actually a really long solo episode for me. Wow, I can't believe I talked that long by myself without a glass of water, without a single pause or break. And it is like 9.30 on Thursday night right now. I'm really leaving this to the last minute considering this drops tomorrow morning. So yeah, you guys know that this is fairly frequent or not frequent, sorry, uh, like um, it's new, it's fresh. <laughs> um, but yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. I hope you learned something or at least gained some perspective on like me and where my outlook on feminism comes in and kind of how pop culture kind of falls into that and um yeah if you ever want me to like speak of course I do like breakdowns like on WAP and on the crazy girl trope and different tv shows that I speak on um actually the one I did with Hilary Coombe we talked a lot about Insecure um which is one of my favorite shows it's an incredible show and yeah I could talk about that for a while so yeah I do like talk about specific examples but as this I really want to just break down as a whole because I think that I honestly I'm kind of missing talking about it and that like not having university to discuss it anymore is kind of I miss that nerdy academic side almost and um yeah I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as always please comment like subscribe to the podcast um you can find me on instagram at the not so average batch you can find the podcast instagram at strategic slut and there are new episodes every monday and friday the website is currently under construction um i do have some really exciting things in the works so be stay tuned for that i'm starting to lose my thought process so I'm gonna go um but as always love yourself love others and wash your fucking hands bye guys I will talk to you Monday